Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I are unpacking the conversation of sexual imprinting. This is a really important conversation because everything you do, everything that you watch and listen to, everything that you connect with is forming a blueprint in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. And if you're not careful, it can impact you in negative ways. So we want to talk about how to willfully create a blueprint by imprinting on healthy things emotionally rather than wasting valuable time and energy imprinting on the wrong things things. So let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Andrew here and Benjamin. And today we're going to get into a very interesting topic that I used to be really obsessed about. I let it go for a little bit so that it could have some space, this idea, and I could have a little bit of breathing room. And I want to revisit it together with my compatriot here, Benjamin Uyama. And the topic is imprinting. Here's why it's so important, because before we are even in any type of romantic relationship, we've had so many impressions imprinted into our psyche about what romance is, what relationships should and shouldn't be. We have so many concepts that guide our expectations and even our emotions to some degree. But what porn has done is created this sexual template for people that is getting really increasingly intense and crappy for relationships. And I wanted to kind of get into that a little bit today. We're not going to do a long episode. We're going to do a concise, expedient episode. So Benji, how are you feeling today? That's the main question. Yeah, okay. We just moved to our new house and excited to talk about this topic. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's a good metaphor we could start with is like when you move into a new house, you don't know the lay Mm -hmm. of the land. You don't know kind of like how to get to shops as quickly. It's not like as clear. Everything's new when you're in a new area and it feels new. I think everybody who's listening could remember a time when you were new to a school or to a place and everything was kind of confusing. You didn't know where to go for food or for fun. And then little by little, it became familiar. And then all of a sudden it became second nature and you could just go to the store without thinking about where to go. Now, that's a good thing, I suppose. But what about in the area of sex? When you are becoming more familiar with new content, watching porn online, it's kind of new and kind of scary and you don't know what's going on, but then you become very familiarized with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this is a good, you're the perfect example because you just moved in. You see that metaphor? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I guess, my experience. We're talking about sexual imprints. It's like when I was first exposed to porn back when I was, I think, 10, 9 maybe years old. At first, Mm -hmm. it was like very disturbing, right? I think it's a typical experience that people have. It's disturbing. It's even disgusting. And you can't really get it out of your mind for days or weeks even. It's just confusing, actually, more than anything. Like, what is going on? Because the nature of pornography, typically when people stumble on it, it's not sexual, right? It's not just sexuality. It's not just nudity. It's like explicit. It's designed to be addictive, first of all. So it has you wondering and wanting to go back to it. And that kind of novelty wears off more and more. It's kind of like I compare it in my group because a lot of the guys I'm working with are into video games, kind of like video game. It kind of uses the same type of brain of addiction. 
And at first, when you first start in gaming back in the day, it was like Mario, Super Mario, Nintendo games, that sort of thing, Street Fighter. And then over time, it just becomes novel. And the novelty wears off. And then you become more and more addicted to more hardcore things that are desensitizing your ability to just enjoy simple games, like getting from point A to point B and defeating the boss and the game's over. Now it's like a video game is just endless black hole of constantly leveling up and upgrading and spending money even. And so to think of that in terms of like video games, I think imprinting is very important. If the analogy makes sense with gaming, when we're young, kids are seven, eight years old, which is typically where we see a lot of kids, boys and girls watching pornography. If they're being exposed to that level of pornography from such a young age and to video games at such a young age, it's like the novelty is very quickly runs off and it's just very abrupt interruption or abrupt introduction to sexuality. Well, I think it's a good time to kind of define imprinting, okay? This exists in all species, I suppose. But in the animal kingdom, it's really prevalent in certain species like ducks or like, I don't know if you've ever seen shows where if a dog is raised with a cat, it's like the cat was there first and then the dog was born. It just assumes that the cat is part of its family, right? But if you have a dog living in one house and a cat living in another house, they naturally kind of are enemies in a sense, right? So when you're first born, you have this imprinting that you're exposed to with your parents and all this stuff. But like they made a movie that Uncle David really loves. I forget what it's called, but it's like these ducks imprint on people and the ducks think that this guy is their mom. Even though he's a human, they're ducks. They have no idea because they look... They're like, oh, you, you must be our parent. So they follow this guy around and he teaches them how to fly because he knows it's maybe a little girl. I don't know the plot. It's either the dad or the daughter. And they end up getting in a plane and flying so that the ducks can follow and learn how to fly. But I mean, it's that strong that the ducks think that a human is their parents. So in us, you can imagine that sexuality, when you are exposed to pornography, it's imprinting in your mind, but also in your heart. Like you said, there's a lot of confusion when you first see porn because emotionally it's etching in these feelings that this is scary, but yet it feels good in my body. I don't know what's happening. It's very confusing, but I kind of like it and I kind of hate it at the same time. And because of that, these feelings end up being embedded in a lot of people's experience throughout their formative years. Sex becomes something very stimulating and scary, exciting and petrifying. So it's like this weird, unnatural dichotomy that sex is never meant to have negative emotions affiliated with it. That's just because of the world that we live in. But imagine what kind of imagery you're creating this template of what's normal. So let's say you see porn and there's all sorts of behavior that is not conducive to creating a happy family, but that's your normal because that's what you've seen not only once and created this emotional bond with it, but you've seen it again and again and again. And it's hard to get that out of your mind. I mean, growing up, you grew up kind of in religion, right? But you were also exposed to pornography. So did that mess you up in your formative years, having these imprinting? Because you had the imprint of your parents seeing what marriage looks like, but then your first exposure to sex was like not married people, it was porn stars, right? So how did that imprinting affect this weird contradiction of marriages ideally making a nice, happy family and then porn is paid people having crazy sex with each other? Yeah, I would say more than anything, it's just a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. In many ways, a one-sided battle. 
it's like an unwinnable battle almost, at least in my case. And I think very typical in a more faith-based home is that sex is actually not talked about as much as we would hope ideally, right? And even in a faith community, we have ideals, we have standards, but it's not something that we go around talking about. And it's definitely not something where a situation where we're being educated in a right way more than we are in a negative impact way. So by far, it was always more exposure to over-sexualized content, whether through TV or through porn. I remember just like, I mean, God bless my parents, like they grew up in the generation where they didn't know that I could find porn at the hotel room, right? And they would just like, leave me at the hotel. I mean, not like pornographics, but like sexual content, right? When I was like eight, nine, seven years old, even they didn't know that they didn't know I could find stuff on mainstream television and cable TV at our home. So that's like really confusing. The education you receive through just years and years of finding really just stumbling upon this stuff. You're like, wow, like I didn't know <laughs> this existed. It's like a, it's just a one-sided argument, a one-sided battle that this is what sexuality is. And the more kind of family-centered, faith-based approach of sexuality or healthy-based, I would say God-centered approach to sexuality and what sexuality is designed to be like, like we talk about in our book, Core to the Universe, Core of the Universe. Mm-hmm. So it's just confusing, I guess, to answer your question shortly. It's, it's like, it's hard. It's just so much guilt, especially I know with all the people in our groups that were struggling with this very same question is how do we balance the idea we have versus the reality, which is that we're just constantly being exposed in a culture, in a society where it's normal and it's acceptable. And it's just fine to yeah. watch porn. Well, what's crazy is you can imagine that, you know, I knew I had a good friend who had growing up and his parents, his dad was physically abusive to his mom. And later in life, he actually became physically abusive to his own mom. This became part of the template of acceptable behavior, even though it frightened him. He didn't like doing it, but it became part of his kind of a nervous system response to anger is that he emulated what he saw in his dad, right? It's like his dad cleared the path for this type of behavior. And if you can imagine what porn then does to sex, it's like when you think about where people get fetishes and very specific fetishes, it's like it doesn't really emerge from the natural world, right? It's partly due to sexualizing something It could be like people who like when women have like a whip or something like that because they're actually craving a powerful, strong woman and they're just sexualizing it and creating this interpretation. But also, so that's like emotional and like childhood stuff. But at the same time, when you're re-exposed to the same stuff, Mm. you start to develop a familiarity and kind of like a longing for that because that like is bringing you a certain type of joy. Let's say you like powerful type of people. So you watch, you know, like a subservient person be dominated by it. That's what porn usually is, right? So you're watching these scenarios play out again and again, and you're forming like an emotional relationship with the outcome, the feeling that it gives you watching this type of Mm. porn. And then you're associating meaning to it. So you're like, oh, I like this. This is the thing that I like. It's not the activity. It's the feeling that it's giving you, right? But it's kind of like the vessel and you fall in love with the vessel. Then it becomes a part of your identity. That's the crazy part. And the world is really messed up because they don't understand this stuff. And they're promoting, well, I like this, so I should be justified. You even have in mainstream scenarios now, this idea that pedophilia is okay. And, you know, it's just men, boy, love, they call it. Because usually most 90 something percent of pedophiles are men to other boys or girls, but it's not like older women. And so it's called man, boy, love, trying to kind of justify it rather than looking at, well, why is this happening? 
And so it's like that if you really want to look deeper at this, even like the things that you think, oh, it's just the, what I like. Well, how did you come to the conclusion that you like that? How many times did you see that growing up? And what's that connected to? Like this scenario, is it because you like watching people who have power dominate people who don't? Because, you know, whatever reason, I don't know, I don't want to psychoanalyze it, but it's so much deeper. And it's a part of this imprinting, again, that that's just what you think is normal because you've been exposed to it enough and you've created an emotional bond to it. So that's like what almost what, what you expect is normal. So there's new normals being forged all the time because of porn. There's more violence in porn. And I've read a bunch of surveys where sex is becoming more violent for young people, especially young ladies are experiencing more kind of aggressive sexual behavior perpetrated upon them. And a lot of this is just the guys emulating what they see. Even little kids in school, the reported cases of kids being sexually aggressive to other little kids, I'm talking third, fourth grade. The numbers are like insanely on the rise. And where are they learning this behavior? They're not, it's not just like in the air, you know, like we're breathing in the sexually aggressive air all of a sudden because we're drinking too much water from plastic bottles. It's because monkey see, monkey do. That's like, man, that breaks my heart, honestly. And people, like you say, people do make statements that this is just who I am. This is what, what I like. But if you look at their browser history, it's very clear that they've been led down this and essentially in some ways brainwashed because of the nature of pornography is a business, is an industry, and it's designed to keep people coming back. You know, like you say, if I started watching or say if someone started watching porn and all the porn videos were of somebody holding a water bottle, I'm holding a water bottle right now, then yeah. of course, like without a doubt, every time you see this water bottle, you're going to associate it with sexual content. It's like undeniable. Yeah. So, and especially on top of that, it's the sexuality, the sexual nature of masturbation, especially that imprints it so strongly into your habitual habit, into your behavior. And it's really sad. It's really unfortunate. For me, when I hear you talking, Andrew, I really feel like what's really clear to me is that's what makes it clear that pornography is not sexual in nature. It is not a sexual thing. Sexual as in, of course, people say, yo, it is it's completely sexual. It's not sexual because it's not sexual in the sense that if the sexuality is defined as an intimate relationship between two people, if it's defined as connection, as if it's defined as the intimate experience of holding and looking someone in the eyes and having your imprint being on a human being rather than pixels on a screen. And in that sense, pornography itself is just pixels on a screen. It is nothing sexual about it, but we found a way to somehow associate it strongly with a sexual act of masturbation that makes it so imprinted strongly. So for me, the positive of this, at least from what I'm seeing, because I like to put a positive spin on things, especially for our listeners who are, you know, many times in the trenches with a porn habit, is that this is our opportunity to realize like this is all BS. It's not a sexual thing that we've developed. We've somehow rewired our brains to sexualize it and to hypersexualize it. But real sexual intimacy comes in connection with people, with human beings, not just sexual connection with a person, but emotional intimacy, connection with human beings, with people. And the more we have of that and the less we have of just isolation and isolated acting out on our own, then the more we feel just alive and more connected. And that's really what, to me at least, what High Noon is all about. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And don't worry, bro. I was leading us towards a happy yeah. place. But that's 
honestly, real imprinting, the way it's designed, and it is a design, it's to bring us closer together. So the more that you imprint with a person, the closer you feel to them, the more you trust them, the more you're connected, your pheromones, like your chemicals are kind of geared towards reacting Mm -hmm. to their chemicals, and you're becoming a symbiotic being. The more that you make love with somebody, the more that you love that person. It's exactly like from the divine principle, the more you love something, the more beautiful it becomes, right? So in very same way, sex does that exactly. But the problem is that now society has interjected pornography into the equation. So you're imprinting to scenarios and emotionally connecting to fantasy rather than reality. And so I think the action step is this. It's a very clear action step, something that we've really ramped up lately, which is imprint to a vision for your life imprint to a vision for your sexuality, for your marriage and what your sex is connected to, that it be connected to virtuous things, that it be connected to love, connection, to meaning, to growth, to family. These things formulate that vision so that when you think of sex, it never be disassociated from those other things that I just mentioned as a way to get through some of these hormonal things that pop up. They say, no, I'm committed to making sure that my sexuality is connected to meaning, God, the important things in my life. And then when you do get into a relationship, when you do get married, when you do start to engage in sexuality, that you reserve that imprinting for that one person. And that's really, really important. And also there's good news because we do understand that neuroplasticity is a real thing. And in practice, practically speaking, you can recondition yourself to start to imprint more with an actual human being, even if you've been exposed to porn in the past. I've been through that myself growing up in this world with no standards of what sex should be and taking a few years before getting married to just really get clear spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, so that I could then be a clear vessel to then imprint with my wife when the time was right. So it is possible, but it's a lot harder. I'm telling you, it's a lot harder if you do get into porn, especially at an earlier age, because your brain is still forming and the imprinting goes deeper into you. But it is possible to, you know, your brain is malleable, so you can change things. But it's not like I don't still have porn images in my mind. They're there. They pop up every once in a while from stuff I saw when I was 13 or whatever, right? Which is now a long, long time ago. So it's still there, but it's not at the forefront of my mind. It's way back in the recesses of my mind. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's definitely hope and there's definitely a way to imprint to the things you choose. And that's what this is all about is like, choose what you imprint to. That's, you know, if you want to get a little bit wider, music. You're forming an emotional imprint of the world when you listen to music. If you listen to a lot of music that's really angry and dark, then it's very easy to see this world as a negative place. And I'm sure you remember the songs that really stimulated you as a kid. And those, you probably still have an emotional reaction every time you hear certain songs from when you're a kid. That's imprinting. It's all very same. So in terms of sexuality, I really advise everybody to, you know, use that as incentive to not imprint with some fake stuff that you wouldn't want a part of your life, but instead to imprint on a vision for your life, whether you're single or whether you're in a marriage. That if you do have a spouse, then you're imprinting on them. Like one of our facilitators, I don't want to mention his name. When he was cutting porn out of his life, he created a like one of those cork boards with just pictures of his wife. And he would just stare at it all day and like, I'm going to fall in love like crazy with her. And he did this for months until he really 
he said he felt like so much more in love with his wife because instead of looking at other women all the time, he'd just start pictures of his wife and be like, I love this one. And just he's brainwashing himself. One way or another, you're brainwashing yourself, right? But it's either willingly based on your spouse or your future spouse, in which case it's just, you're not thinking of a person, just a feeling that you get, or you're doing it like everybody else by watching porn, which is a losing battle. Any last words, Benji? No, I get that. I'm going to make a cork board of my wife, but I'm going to have to hide it from her because she's going to freak out. <laughs> she might be creeped out. Yeah. Creeped out. She's a very humble lady. Well, that's a good point. Like even in our case, like I went through a process of having to rewire what I find beautiful in my wife because I've been so exposed, especially in today's culture. You know, America's maybe, I think we're pretty, there's a lot of hypersexualization going around around in our country, in our world. And yeah, I had to kind of take a step back and realize like I had a lot of misconceptions about what beauty is in women and how expectations about how I thought women should dress and look and act and, and do their hair and all these kinds of things that I didn't realize until I got married. And I had to rewire to my wife. And now I can honestly look at my wife and just fully clothed and just doing whatever she wearing, whatever she wants to wear and find beauty in that and, and mm -hmm. be attracted and turned on by that. And I think that's a, a hard thing to do but it's worth doing for sure. Yeah, that's strength. That's power. That's freedom because you're choosing who is beautiful to you by investing time and effort into finding the beauty in that person. That's like character. Whereas, you know, weakness is what we're taught, which is somebody gets ugly, throw them away like a yeah. phone and then get a new one and find somebody prettier and, or whatever, right? right? It yeah, runs I... both ways for men and women. Like that's why aging is known as a disease in our culture. Because when you get old, it means you're going to get thrown away. So people pretend. I saw a 50 something year old woman in the store forever 21. And the irony was just, it was too much. It's so sad. I was like, why don't you go into a different store? You don't have to like try to look young. It's fine to be whatever age you are. Just celebrate that. There's so much more freedom in that, you know? Instead of pretending like you're something you're not. It's like if I started going around wearing crazy painted on skinny jeans and wearing them below my butt, it would just be sad. I would hope my friends would do an intervention and be like, bro, you're almost 40. Just chill. You know? yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's not about judgment. It's just about freedom. True freedom is choosing what you're attracted to, how you feel about stuff. And that's all on the table if you choose to go the high noon way. So we welcome you into the new world, which is Chanukah, the land of freedom, the land of the high noon era where you get to choose to be happy. Mm -hmm. So Benji, I, we got to wrap it up, but uh, any last words of wisdom from the bearded wonder? No, I just want to really encourage everyone to check out the book, Core of the Universe, or join a group, or do whatever you need to do. Do whatever you need to do today to get you on track. Start doing it. Make a structure for your day. Make it happen, and you'll be good. Thank yeah. you, everybody. If you have any questions, as always, reach out to us. Hardly anybody ever does. Have the guts. Ask us the hard questions. We love them. We love you. Adios. Adios. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also, you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together, and sexual integrity involves other people. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting 
In the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there.